from the Indiana Daily Student in Bloomington, this is posted, a guide to the week's top stories. Today is April 12th. I'm Lydia Gerke. And I'm Jacob DeCastro. Today we'll be talking about the world's greatest college weekend, a proposed e-scooter ordinance, and the renaming of a third school on the IU Bloomington campus this academic year. And later we'll be talking to Isabel Michigan, the student body president from Vision, the party that won the IU student government election. It's Little 500 weekend. The events kick off at 4 p.m. today with the running of the women's race. Ski will enter Friday with a pole position after finishing qualifications in first place with a time of 2 minutes and 39.21 seconds, followed by Teeter and Delta Gamma. Last year's winner, Kappa Alpha Theta, will start the race in the 11th position. Theta is looking to be the first women's team to ever win three in a row. The men race at 2 p.m. tomorrow. The three winners from the spring series all came from different teams. They were the same three teams that finished in the top three of the Little 500 in the past two years. Last year's race winner, Cutters, looks to add its Little 500 record for most team wins. The Bloomington City Council discussed the city's proposed e-scooter regulation ordinance Wednesday night. The ordinance would replace the agreements the city currently has with scooter companies Lime and Bird. A third company, Spin, is scheduled to bring more scooters to Bloomington soon. The regulations include required city-issue licenses that scooter companies must obtain to operate. There are also rules on parking, use, safety, data sharing with the city, and required public outreach and rules on enforcement. The council is scheduled to make amendments and vote on the ordinance next week. In an email this week, Bird informed riders that they may be charged $65 for improperly parking birds on IU's campus, blocking pedestrian rights of way, including sidewalks and doorways, as well as parking in landscape, may lead to the fine. IU's School of Art, Architecture, and Design has been renamed after a $20 million donation from Indianapolis philanthropists Sidney and Lois Eskenazi. The donation to the newly named Sidney and Lois Eskenazi School of Art, Architecture, and Design comes three years after the Eskenazis gave $15 million to name the Sidney and Lois Eskenazi Museum of Art in 2016. Part of the gift will be used to establish scholarships, such as the Lois Eskenazi Scholarship for Incoming Freshmen Interested in Painting, as well as a fund for excellence to support fellowships, visiting artists and scholars, research funding, equipment, and other projects. The $20 million donation is included in For All, the Indiana University Bicentennial Campaign, an initiative aimed at raising $3 billion in honor of IU's Bicentennial. On Thursday, we talked with Isabel Mishkin, the new student body president who ran for the Vision for IUSG ticket. Thanks for being with us, Isabel. Thanks, Lydia. I'm happy to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you ran for student body president? Yeah. So I'm a junior in the O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs, studying healthcare management and policy, then also doing some things in the School of Public Health, pursuing a minor um, in public health. And I decided to run to be student body president because I love student government. I love serving the students. It's been a part of my IU experience. Um, I, As a freshman, I was the president of the National Alliance on Mental Illness on campus. And pretty much since then, I have had this deep desire to serve students and make sure that what the university is doing is what the students want them to be doing. So my time as the chief of health and well-being for the executive branch as a sophomore and then my time as chief of staff um, as a junior really catapulted me into this amazing experience um, and role to have some authority to be able to make change and then to implement things on the administration level, on the student level, and then also on the organizational level. 
and I knew that I was the right fit for the job. I knew I had a very strong team of people behind me, and that's sort of why I decided to run plain and simple. Um, I had a vision for what this organization should look like. Students have a vision for what IU should look like, and if we mesh those two things together, that's what makes a successful student government. And then, so what is your vision for student government and IU? Yeah, so my personal vision for student government is a student government that is actually representative of the students. It's a student body congress that works for the students, by the students, is an executive branch that goes into meetings about, say, parking ticket prices and knows what students actually want and aren't just saying the things that they personally feel. Um, My personal vision for a better IU is to make sure that every student has access to counseling resources if they need it that every student who wants to go abroad but thinks that they can't fit it into their schedule have the resources both financially and academic support to be able to do those things. But what's more important are the vision of the students, right? I'm only one person on the campus of, what, 48,000. So we need to make sure that we're talking to as many of those 48,000 as possible, and, and that's the platform that I ran on. That's the belief that I hold, that my vision is only as powerful as the students who stand behind me and the students who believe in what I'm saying and who entrust me to say those things. And I think one thing you touched on there was free, uh, or not free, access to counseling for mm-hmm. any student who needs it. Um, I know that's been a problem that's been touched on in uh, IOSG, IOSA campaigns in the past. What puts you in a position to actually make action on that this year? Absolutely. I've been involved in the health realm of IU since I started as a freshman. I was the president of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI on campus chapter. I've been the president since um, before this time, my freshman year. I was the chief of health and well-being for IUSG. And then my two really big projects as chief of staff, both were in the health arena. So I have working relationships with nearly every health-centric administrator or staff member or faculty member on this campus. I'm on a first-name basis with the executive director of the health center, um, who is obviously a big player in, say, things like counseling sessions and how much those are and is there a fund for students to be able to apply for a fee to actually waive um, the amount that it takes to sit in a counseling session. So I have the connections, I have the experience, that's part of what this ticket ran on, the intersection between student values and expertise. That's where the expertise part comes in. And I'm one of the best equipped students on campus to specifically address counseling. Um, And one vision that I have that we're actually fulfilling right now in IUSG is exactly, as I said, to expand the program um, for fee waivers for students who want to go to CAPS and want counseling resources but can't afford it. And we're doing that right now in the student government with a matching campaign for IU Day. So students have the option to do two different things for IU Day, which was yesterday. One, they could donate a can of food um, to support Crimson Cupboard, which is the on-campus food pantry. And then the second part of that is a monetary giving campaign, and students could donate minimum of $10 to this fund that funds fee waivers for students in CAPS. And IUSG has pledged to match every donation dollar to dollar. And that's something that I am very proud of to be able to put my name and put my organization's name um, kind of on that pledge, on that stamp of approval. So then with that campaign and things like that, like, do you guys know how much money you raised yesterday and what you're planning to match that with? 
Yesterday, we don't have the final numbers because the IU Day matching campaign actually opened about two weeks ago and will stay open for another few days, if not a full week. So we are still accepting donations, which is something that we're trying to push on our social media, trying to make sure that our students know. Um, But I do know that um, we, at least at one point, were at about $1,700 at some time yesterday. So hopefully more than $1,700. And again, IUSG will match every dollar of that um, from our own funds and, and double whatever amount the students raise. So then how long would those funds perhaps last? And um, what would your plan be when maybe those are used up by the students who are wanting to use those counseling services? To the best of my knowledge, the fee waiver fund hasn't dried up in a sense. Um, There's always money for fee waivers available. Um, I don't know of that fund ever reaching zero and the health center having to turn someone away for that reason. In regards to how quickly the funds get there, more or less as soon as we transfer them. So as soon as we have that final, this is the number that was raised, we're going to make that account transfer. And we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that money gets there quickly. And more than that, we're going to market to the students and say, hey, did you know this is an option for you? Did you know that there are fee waivers at the health center? Um, did you know that you could apply to get one of these things? So that not only are we seeing the money go there, but we're going to take that extra step and that logical next step of saying, hey, students, did you know this is a thing? It might benefit you. It's kind of switching gears from access to counseling services going on to next school year. What are some of the, you know, one thing, if you could get one thing done next school year, what would that be? The one thing that I would want to get done next school year seems like a very small thing. And I want to make sure that we are hosting monthly town hall meetings. It sounds little. Um, It sounds like something, oh, that's so easy, that's so achievable. Why is that special? It's special because student government hasn't quite done that before. We haven't seen that kind of consistent outreach, proactively trying to ask students, what is your vision, right? So the concept for this town hall isn't just let's host a town hall. It's this month it will be in Kelly, and next month it will be in JSB, and next month it will be in Jacobs, and then the next month it will be in Franklin, so that not only are we trying to reach students, we're trying to reach different demographics of students, students that study in different places and live in different places, and we want to rotate topics. So that a student who cares a lot about mental health on this campus can come to that particular town hall or who cares a lot about renaming buildings can go to that particular town hall. And it's a way for the students to be a check on the student government and for the students to come to me and say, you say you're my student body president. You aren't representing what I believe. You aren't embodying my vision. That's a way for me to say, what is your vision? How can I better serve you? How can I ask the Congress to better serve you? So it kind of serves two purposes. One, it's a way for the students to know what the student government is up to. And two, it's a way for the student government to know what the students actually want, right? So that's a very low-hanging fruit, something we can really easily do that I'm really excited for next year on top of the other 38 ideas that we have from the campaign. And you said that you want to have people bring, I guess you said, their vision to you. How will you reconcile their vision perhaps being different than what you said, the 38 things that you want to do next school year? Right. So we have this um, list of 39 plus policy ideas that were told to us by students when we sat down and said, what's your vision? And they gave us their visions and we wrote it into our policy platform and we are promising to deliver on those 
And delivery might look different to different people. Delivery might be bringing it up in a conversation and an administrator saying, hey, listen, this idea is actually $5 million and we just don't have that in the budget right now, but I'll put it on the meeting record notes so that anyone looking back can see this. Delivery might also be, all right, we want to do X, Y, or Z. Awesome. We did X, Y, or Z. We were able to accomplish that, check it off our list, and cross it off and able to deliver that to the students. So our first priority is making sure that we're upholding the promises that we made as a campaign. And our close second priority is making sure that we're reaching the students that we weren't able to reach in the campaign. Right, Because that was only a three-month span of time where 15, 20 people were trying to reach all 40-plus thousand students, and of course we can't do that. So it's making sure that we keep up with the times. Now, one idea that we have um, is to advocate for the change, uh, for a name change for Jordan Hall. Um, for a variety of reasons. And if a student came to us and said, hey, actually, I really believe in what this guy Jordan stood for. Um, I don't think that the name should be changed. Then that's a conversation that we would want to have. We don't want to shut any students down. We don't want students to feel like they're left out of the process. And a big part of our culture is a culture of inclusivity. And that means making sure every student knows they have a seat at the table if they want a seat at the table. So if a student wants to come to us and say, hey, I don't really think that that's what you should be doing or I think you should prioritize this. We want to sit down, bring that student up to the student government office and have an hour-long conversation and say, hey, so what? what's up? Why is this different to you? Why is this controversial to you? What values does this violate? Um, and be able to have those dynamic, growing, changing conversations that will influence our priorities and goals. And you said that one, you know, delivery might be different for different people. And you said that one um, one method of delivery is just it's in the meeting notes. Um, is that really delivery? So in some ways, unfortunately, it might be. We live in we go to a very big institution. It is not just a school, right? We don't have a thousand kids per class. Um, it's not like we can anyone can just walk up to the president's office and say, President McRobbie, like I hate this. Um, it has to be a deliberative process, right? So if we go um, to the health center, for example, and we say, hey, listen, health insurance is a really big issue on this campus. And there are students who can't afford your services because their insurances aren't accepted by the health center. I could have that conversation, and I have had that conversation. And what I can tell you is that the health center will explain all of these different reasons and very valid reasons why insurance, we, we can't add a third insurer right now. And part of the student government's job is to be able to take in that information, to think about it critically, and sometimes to be able to say, thank you for having this conversation with me. You know where the students stand, and you know where to find us when you have more funds, when you have a large donor, when something dramatic changes, and you're then able to take that next step because we live in a bureaucracy, and things don't just happen all of the time, especially these really big ticket items, like changing the name of a building, like adding a third type of insurance, like even changing one type of insurance for the health center, just as an example. So sometimes we do just have to take a deep breath and say, okay, it's in the meeting notes, someone can look at it later, 
we can pass this down from administration to administration. Heck, we can even go to our student body Congress and they can pass a resolution affirming their support for this particular thing. And now we have the vote of the student Congress behind it too. Maybe that will change things. But it is a really hard process and it requires a lot of time and diligence and patience and perseverance. And that's part of the reason why student government is here so that we can facilitate those conversations that are going to last generations of IU students. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show with us today, Isabel. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for us on today's episode of Posted. Follow us throughout the week at idsnews.com and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at idsnews. This week's stories are reported by Philip Steinmetz, DJ Fesler, Lily St. Angelo, and Annie Aguiar. Special thanks to Isabel Michigan for joining us. Our music is by Matthew Waterman. I'm Lydia Gerke. And I'm Jacob DeCastro. Thanks for joining us.